This podcast is brought to you by Kingdom at Work, a movement that seeks to inspire, equip, and ignite leaders to advance God's kingdom through their influence in the marketplace. Find out more at www.kingdomatwork.com, kingdomatwork.com. As we broadcast you from Rancho Mirage, California. At this point in time, you have heard a ton of great interviews from us here in Rancho Mirage. What an incredible opportunity it's been made possible through a collaboration with FCCI and Convene. Check them out online, FCCI.org and ConveneNow.com. We're on location at the 2018 International Summit, a gathering of Christ followers who desire to live out their faith in their work while pursuing excellence. Today on the first half of the show, we're going to be talking with David and Beth Collum. These guys, you've heard about their ministry that they're involved in because you hear us talk about it all the time. And every time Martha's dad calls into the show, we're talking about Pocket Testament League. And these guys have a story I want you to hear. And as we sh- as we have them share it, we also plan on having them share it with all the people that are part of their organization and around the world. David and Beth, welcome to I Work For Him. It's great to be here, Jim. Thanks for having us. Thank you. You It's a lot of fun, David, to get a little face-to-face time because you're like trying to chase down the most popular. I mean, it's like trying to get some Saudi prince on the radio. I mean, you guys, (laughs) you you travel more than most people I know, and you're you're a busy guy. I want to just start, as we always do with every guest on the show, just share how you became a Jesus follower. And Beth, I'm going to let you go first because ladies first. Well, thank you. So I grew up in a Christian home. I had wonderful Christian parents, and I remember vividly when I was five years old, kneeling down in my bedroom. We had bunk beds, my sister and I, Mm -hmm. and I remember kneeling down in front of our bunk beds with my mom and asking Jesus to come into my heart. Um, Now, certainly when I was a teenager, I wanted to push the boundaries and explore a little bit, and um, thankfully God gave my parents the patience to continue to just pray for me. I have wonderful memories um, of my dad every morning. He would get up at five o'clock and I knew that he was down in his chair reading his Bible and praying for us. So um, God answered those prayers and blessed him. And both my sister and I um, are walking with the Lord and um, have Christian faith because of the faith of our parents. Hmm. Fantastic. Um, David, what about you? How did you come to be a Jesus follower? Yeah, not quite as a straight a line. So, um, <laughs> That's I was, okay. Yeah, I was raised in a Roman Catholic uh, home. My parents uh, just loved us. And so went to church every Sunday and kind of had an image of God as having a clipboard, a piece of paper on it with a list of mm-hmm. all the offenses. And on the top of that piece of paper was my name. And he kind of checked off those offenses on a daily basis. Yeah. Several times a day. Yeah. Yeah. So graduated college and went into the corporate world and, you know, companies know how to motivate you. They say, Hey, here's the things you're doing well. And here's the things you could do better. And that just kind of merged with my faith. You know, my faith was performance based Mm. and, uh, and I failed every day at it. And, uh, so at the, what was then the peak of my career, uh, sitting in Pittsburgh airport with uh, one of my employees. I was a plant manager of a nuclear power plant, 28 years old, sitting with an employee. And I said to him, how do you do this? And he goes, how do you do what? He had two boys the same age as mine, worked in the same place. The only difference was he had a boss. That was me. That wasn't the best boss. And I just said, how do you do this? How do you have peace? And he said to me, do you really want to know? Hmm. And I said, yeah. And he said, yeah, no, I don't think you do. And he got up and walked away. I chased after him in a Pittsburgh airport. He's not a sales guy. So the salespeople listen to this thinking, guy's brilliant. No, he's an engineer. Right. He's <laughs> an account- engineer, sure. Yeah, it wasn't a tactic. <laughs> yeah, it was not a tactic. He was counting the cost because he had to tell me truth about myself. And so I was led to Jesus, 
to know Jesus in the Pittsburgh airport by a man out of the marketplace. We're at an FCCI conference. I love marketplace ministry because that's how I came to know the Lord. And it was one of your employees. He was unemployed. But, you, but his life had shown you there was something different about him, and you asked him that question. We're the same age. We have, each have two sons. We work in the same nuclear power plant. He's got a demanding boss. Everything's the same except he's got peace. And, he, and here's the deal. Some people think, you know, okay, Christ followers are mediocre, right? The, he was excellent at his job. Hmm. Excellent at his job. You look at him, you're like, I want, you know, I want that. I want, to be, I want to be excellent at my job, and I want to have that peace. Hmm. I, I love that because we talk about that all the time as part of the I Work For Him Nation, that one of the things, you know, we, we need to commit to being change agents in our workplace by praying for people by name each and every day, looking for ways to serve them, looking for ways to befriend them, looking for ways to pray with them. But none of that matters if we're not people of excellence in our jobs, that Christ followers in their position should be the number one people in their position in the company. And so that, that's, I love that story because that's an I Work For Him story because that guy's testimony led you to the Lord. Do you ever go back and thank him? I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're probably not 30 years later. We're pretty close. I mean, have you ever gone back and go, do you know how you've impacted hundreds of millions of people because of, of your story? So he's a great, a great brother in Christ. And, uh, you know, he stays in our story for a while because that night when I got home, we were, del- we were fogged in at Pittsburgh airport when the fog lifted and I got home, uh, that night, um, I laid down next to my, my wife and she said, I want a divorce. I know that sounds like a made-for-TV movie kind of thing, yeah. but literally... Well, the bed wasn't burning, so that would yeah, make yeah. made-for-TV. But the yeah. same night. Yeah, five hours yeah. after accepting the Lord. And right. so God had a lot of work to do in me, and uh, that marriage you know, failed. And so um, you know, he walked with me through, through my divorce and uh, had me over for Sunday lunch one day. And he had a, a woman over for Sunday lunch to meet with another young man. Uh, that woman sitting next to me in this interview. <laughs> Didn't work out so good for the other guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the guy that led you to the Lord introduced you to your to Beth. No, that was well. I met Beth at his house. It was not his intention <laughs> to do that. Okay. Uh, well, but, might yeah. have been God's intention. But his yeah. obedience right. to having yeah. Beth in the house. Okay. Yeah. So, wow. um, so we still you know know each other. He he watched my walk and. So I was in the corporate world for 25 years and at age 47, you know, quit my job, basically. I could say it nicer, like I resigned from my position and my profession. But uh, at that point, I was, had a really good job. I was uh, at a, vi- a vice president level um, in a Lockheed Wharton company. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but God was just calling my heart. I loved the people I worked with, but I was losing my passion. My passion was for men's ministry at the time. My passion was for all these men you know, who are doing their, going to work every day. I mean, they're not out carousing. You know, they're not trying to mess up their marriages. Right. But they don't know the Lord. And you look at them and you're like, you know, I don't know my kids. I don't know my wife. I'm working 60 hours a week. You know, I'm kind of caught up in this. I don't know how to get off the treadmill. So, you know, that whole men's ministry movie that was kind of movement that was blowing out in the in the 90s really sure. really caught my heart and just kind of led me out of the corporate world into the pastorate all right so going back to you beth so you guys met over food which that's always great it's always great to meet over food talk to us about your side of that perspective so i was a a, a single woman um i my career is in uh teaching high school math high school and college level math i'd been a teacher for a while and i moved um to the to the new york area where david was 
was working at his nuclear power plant and was in the church that my parents were in and my sister was in. And the, the guy that um, led him to the Lord was also in that church. Let's he give that guy family. kudos. So let's tell his name. Come on. John. 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 Okay. John. John. Way so to go, John. John was in this church. And they, there was another young man in the church. His name is Phil. Uh, single guy, really nice guy. And they thought, wouldn't it be great if Beth and Phil got together? <laughs> so they invited us all over for Sunday dinner after church. And we were going to... Um, I guess I'll play football after after dinner or something like that. And then they invited David. You know, he was lonely and I'm crying. the divorced guy who can't cook. Like, sit in the corner and eat your meal. Just yeah. like, don't, because we're doing some <laughs> matchmaking. Some There's some matchmaking yeah. going on yeah. over here, but yeah. just stay out of the way. Yeah. 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 So, so you know, their intention was Phil and, Phil and me to, you know, sit down and have a wonderful conversation. And somehow... I ended up sitting next to David, and we got talking. Now, I'm a math person, and he's an engineer person, right. and we had lots to talk about and, and really struck up a conversation. Phil was also an engineer person, worked at the same company that David was working at, but for some reason, it just, uh, you know, obviously God yes. had, had different intentions. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a, <laughs> a humorous um, so except for, for poor Phil, but, when you, you know. when you got <laughs> yeah. married to David, did you ever think you'd become a pastor's wife? <laughs> uh, no. Um, so my dad um, would really, in all those prayers, I think mm -hmm. some somehow he had an idea <laughs> that maybe I would be a, a good woman to be a pastor's wife, and I really didn't share that <laughs> intention. <laughs> so I married an engineer, mm -hmm. um, but yeah. Um, in the process in our church that we um, that we were raised up in, the the spouse of someone who's interested in becoming a pastor has to write a letter of support, which I think is a great idea. You don't want to do this. If your spouse is not on board with you being in the ministry, mm -hmm. that's not a good way to start. And my letter said, I know the story of Jonah. If God's calling you to go one way and you try to go the other way, it doesn't. There's some hardship in there. And we're going to pick up the rest of that story right after this break. You listen to I Work Frame with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg, as we talk with David and Beth Collum from the Pocket Testament League. Yes, you've heard us talk about the Pocket Testament League at least four or five dozen times on this show. You can check them out online, ptl.org. Why don't we just pick up that story? So you're, you, you're writing a letter of recommendation to your Letter the of church, support. Letter of support, and you're comparing your husband to Jonah? No, well, I'm comparing myself to Jonah. Right. Uh, I needed to support him in God's call on his life, and my response was kind of, I don't really want to do this. But, <laughs> um, and I know I, I had, had been exposed to lots of pastors. My family, my parents had lots of friends who were pastors in mm -hmm. the ministry. It's not easy. So oh, no. I knew that. Toughest job and, on the planet yeah, next to being and, a single mom. Yeah, and so I knew being a pastor's wife is not easy either. And so I, th uh, but I also know the story of Jonah. If yes. God is calling you this way, you you go. And if you run the other direction, He'll turn you around. Could be a little ugly. Yeah. The transition be tough. David, you were mentioning that the process of uh, starting to date Beth, which th we're talking years, we're, we're already way down the road from that yeah. 26 years later, but it was a little bit interesting. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to single women here, right? So. After uh, you know, I had lunch with, with Beth, I wanted to, to date her. So I said, you know, would you be interested in going on a date? She said, I'd be interested in, interested in having a meeting. <laughs> so we had, That's very logical. So we had a meeting. Um, 
you know, I'm still a relatively new Christian. You heard she's been walking with the Lord since she's five. She wanted to make sure a few things. And again, ladies, just hear this. She wanted to make sure I understood that we weren't dating just to have a good time. This was a courtship to see if God was calling us to be married. Mm. And so she kind of unpacked that just to make sure I explicitly knew what, what the expectation was for this. And then she said, uh, by the way, do you tithe? Because I only date men who tithe. And you're like, what's a tithe? What's, what's a tithe? She explained that to me. I asked her net versus gross. She said, you want his net blessings or his gross blessings? <laughs> you decide. I love you, Beth. That's fantastic. Next, next, Sunday, next Sunday, I'm all in. You're writing your tithe check. I write my tithe check. I get called on Monday from the church secretary. She says, Mr. Colm, I think you sent us your mortgage payment by mistake. I'm a plant manager of a nuclear power plant. I'm all in. I explained to her, no, I'm now following the biblical mandate of tithing. She says, uh, what's tithing? So I explained it to her. She says, I'll have the pastor call you. He never called. He just kept, you know, so he was. <laughs> he good. liked the check. So, he wasn't going to screw that yeah, up. So I don't want to re-correct anything <laughs> so, there. <laughs> right. I don't want to run out of time. That's a great story. That is we great. Could just, we could just we do a whole show. We might need to do a, a marriage oh. show sometime. Yes. That would be yeah. fun. You guys would come tell a story on our next marriage retreat. That would be a good one. Okay. So fast forward. You spend time in the pastorate, but today you're at the Pocket Testament League. And the Pocket Testament League is 140 years old, almost 100. What was exactly was it? 125 years old, 140 million presentations of the gospel. Okay, yeah. so started by the Cadbury family, started by the daughter of Mr. Cadbury, the chocolate company, and, and we've talked about that story many, many times on the air. You, how did the Lord lead you to to be the representatives, to be the, the the privileged leader of the Pocket Testament League here, all that represents the Pocket Testament of the Gospel of John all over the world. Yeah, it's great. It's a great privilege. It's very humbling. So we were in the pastorate for 12 years, and uh, I, I love the Word of God. I just love the Word of God. And so I was in a mainline Protestant church, you know, and they're, they're wrestling with their identity, and they're wrestling with who the person of Jesus is and the authority of the Word of God. And, you know, I came to know the Lord late. I'm a business guy. I'm probably a little bit in, intense. And so I'm not wrestling with the authority of the Word of God. And so... You know, we labored for, for 12 years, and it just became really obvious that it was time for us to move on. So we resigned without a job, resigned resigned from the pastorate without a job. Um, so now Beth's going, really? First I marry a guy who's an engineer. Then he quits a nuclear power plant job. Then he becomes a pastor. Then he quits a job without having a job. What did I sign up for? Yeah, yeah. well, we prayed about that. <laughs> well, at least we prayed about it together. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So... Um, you know, you're going through interview processes and you're saying, Lord, I want to, I want to be in your will. People always say, are you happy? And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's, it's about being in his will. It's about being obedient. I know that sounds like the right religious answer, but you know, you try to be intentional about it. And so there are some people who were great supporters of ours, uh, knew our hearts and they said, what do you think about this job? And I looked at it and I thought, yeah, I'm a pastor. I've already changed careers once already. I'm not interested again. And uh, we applied to lots of churches and they would say things, they would give us all sorts of reasons about why you know, I was always number two or something. And we just kind of thought, mm-hmm. well, and the folks at the pocket testing said, we think God's prepared you for this. You've been in business for 25 years. Right. The business community just loves on us. So we love the business community. You love the word of God. This was, you know, and now guess what? You have a singular job mm-hmm. it's to share the word of God, to share the gospel of John with the world. So for, for them, they were able to draw a straight line. Like, do you get this? And we're like, Oh, now that you say it that way. (laughs) (laughs) So Beth, what about for you? That was a pretty big leap. It was, uh, but I guess uh, as, as David has shared, we really prayed and felt God 
calling us. Our time at the church that we were at was done. Um, our, we had faithfully, David had faithfully shared the gospel mm-hmm. Sunday after Sunday. And we had a lady who at the end of church would say, do you have to preach about Jesus every Sunday? Wow. Um, so, you know, it, we had done it. Right. And um, it, our time was over. And I also, I guess I just am a person who says the Lord's going to answer our prayer. We're praying, Lord, where do you want us? Mm-hmm. And in his time, he'll he'll say here. And we just kind of felt this is it. Here it is. It's completely different. Um, but it but it's where where the Lord I share where the Lord wants us to be right now. And so let's talk about that. So what is your role at the Pocket Testament League and how is God using you in it? Yeah, thanks for that question. It, um you know, my role as, as president and CEO is we've got this organization and people say, well, what's this organization? It really is to inspire Christians to share God's word. And so p- people so often think of us as an evangelism ministry, right? Because here's this gospel of John going out. We have great stories about how people come to know the Lord by reading his word or just even being handed a gospel. Sure. But the person doing the handing is one of tens of thousands. And we've had 600,000 people say, hey, would you help us do this in the last eight, nine years. Just help us share the gospel. So our ministry really is uh, twofold. One, to kind of build up, encourage, equip for folks who want to evangel- be evangelists. And I think at a more fundamental level, our role, my role, I've really been convicted of this, is to encourage Christians to believe what it says in Isaiah 55, that God's word does not return void. I really feel like in the last year, more and more, I'm just privileged to kind of be an ambassador for God's word, which is under attack. You know, God's word is under attack. The authority of scripture is under attack. The truthfulness of it's under attack. And so I spend lots of time talking to Christians about like, do we really believe this? Are we acting like we believe this? You know? And so that's what I do. Beth, how do you feel about your role being the wife of the CEO of the pocket testament? Are you still teaching high school today? I am not. No. So you yeah. get? Do you get to travel with David as he travels all over the world? I, I do. Yes, I That's do. That's awesome. So you guys um, get to be together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, David. So I just want to give a shout out to the board of directors. Right, the board knows yeah. how much I travel, and we have a great board. I love these love these uh, people, and they said, "We want your wife to travel with you. Your marriage is important. Mm. You know, talk about getting loved on by your board." wise counsel from these guys so well, just a shout out to them it's got to be that way as much time as you're on the road if you didn't have your wife you, <laughs> beth she could have a whole nother career have a whole nother house you'd never even know because you're gone on the road so much so fantastic praise god right. for a board like that it's right. fantastic yeah. all right so talk about i mean the, the power of the gospel of john i mean the pocket testament that was you've got so many new things going on in the pocket testament league and there's so much we can't cover in this you know last couple minutes of the show what do you want people to know about the Pocket Testament League today? Mm-hmm. So the phrase I use is that the world is crying out for the word of God. It just is. We in America, especially kind of in the Christian America, you know, how many Bibles do we all have on our shelves at home? And we just think, yeah, this is everywhere. Um, not so across the world. Um, people are just crying out for the word of God. So, and even in America, we've had this big push this summer. Hey, could we do this 500,000 times this summer in America? And we're wrapping that up, half a million. And people are like, thank you. When we hand them a gospel of John, they say thank you. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Beth. The other thing I would add to that is I think giving a gospel has a double blessing. It blesses the person that you give it to, and it asks them to consider Jesus 
to be their Lord and Savior. Savior, it blesses the person who gives. You have, uh, you are blessed. The Lord blesses you and encourages you as you give this to someone else. It 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 in, it just encourages you that you are participating in the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. one gospel at a time, one person to one person. And David, you've got programs now that can customize the covers of the pocket testaments. You've got thousands of regular covers and they can customize and have business names on them, ministry names on them. You've got so many different ways to package these together. What's the best way to get a hold of the Pocket Testament League? Yeah, www.ptl.org. That's the best way. PTL.org. There's so much of your story, and, and we're just going to have to capture it the next time when you guys come back and I work for him. Maybe when we come to your headquarters. We're trying to do a northeast run, and we are in New York, sort of northeast. We'll get that done. But David and Beth Collum, thank you guys for being on I Work for Him this afternoon. Hey, thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Please check them out online. PTL.org. PTL.org. Get signed up. Buy a set of pocket testaments. Give them away. Get another set. Buy a set, give a set, buy a set, give a set, ptl.org. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I I work work for him. him.